You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Bird's Eye View on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lori Hess, here with my co-host, Dr. Michelle Ravitch. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi there, Michelle. Hi. So we have kind of a fun topic today for you. We're not going to talk about our typical parrots as we usually do. We're going to do something different, right, Michelle? Yes. Today we're going to talk about non-parrot birds and what common diseases we see and how people keep them and how we treat them. So there's quite a few animals to talk about, quite a few different types of birds, and we are going to to take a little break before we get started and we will be right back after these messages stay perched we'll be soaring back right after these messages go to petcodeals.com and get six dollars off your order of sixty dollars or more and up to forty percent off hundreds of items at petco Deals.com. But, but that's not all. Are you talking to me? Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership Plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com. That's AudibleDeals.com. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. Go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com. To order your Dyson animal back to the day. Go to PetSmartDeal.com and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com today. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. I'm Dr. Lori Hess here with Dr. Michelle Ravish. And here today we are going to talk about something kind of different, something that we don't usually talk about. We are actually going to talk about different kinds of birds. So let's start at the top. Why don't we start with chickens, since we seem to be seeing so many of them, Dr. Ravitch, right? We do see a lot of chickens. I think one of the most interesting things that people who don't know chickens don't know is that there are many different types of chickens. When you say chicken, it's not just your typical, you know, brown chicken that most people picture. There are big chickens, there are little fancy chickens. Chickens can have curly feathers. They can have feathers on their legs. Yeah, they're kind of addictive because when you get one of those fancy breed chickens, they're so cool looking. You learn about all the other kinds that there are. And what we tend to see is people collect them. So they end up starting with one or two chickens. And then all of a sudden they have a whole flock of really colorful, different length feathers, different mm-hmm. sizes, all kinds of crazy looking chickens. And they're, they're really fun. 
Yeah, there are uh, some good places online where people actually get chickens. You can buy buy little chicks and they, they quickly have their flocks grow. It is not quite as easy to care for chickens as people might think. They do need proper housing to stay warm and to be protected from predators. They need access to sunlight or if they're indoors to have a, a sunlight substitute. They need well a good quality food. You can't just feed them corn and bread. They won't survive very long on that. They need a few supplements and they need to be checked for parasites just like any other animal. Yeah, I think that's all really important because what ends up happening, I think, is that somehow there's this very romantic notion. You get a bunch of chickens, you put them in your yard, you feed them some organic feed, and then you get these beautiful eggs that you can just eat and everybody lives happily ever after. And actually, it's just not that simple. I mean, these animals need care. They need medical attention. They need proper nutrition, as you said. They are built to lay eggs. They are little egg machines, which can be very trying on their little bodies. And they will run out of calcium. And if they're not getting sunlight, as you mentioned, they don't make vitamin D in their skin to absorb that delicious calcium you're going to feed them. And we see a lot of reproductive problems. That's probably the number one thing we see in chickens, right? Yeah, that, probably, that is the number one thing we see in chickens. It's pretty easy to diagnose. Sometimes it's not so easy to fix. A lot of times they do need surgery, although they do quite well with surgery. A lot of times people, when they see that their chicken's not doing well, they'll wait for a period of time before bringing it to a veterinarian for many reasons. Sometimes they think it has a cold. Sometimes they just can't find the veterinarian that will see chickens. But usually if the chicken is showing that it's sick, it's a little lethargic, it's not eating as much, that usually means that something's been going on for a while and it's sicker than it looks and it should really be seen as soon as you can bring it somewhere. Yeah. So that first sign, if you have an egg-laying chicken who's been laying eggs, laying eggs, laying eggs, and then suddenly stops, that's a really big warning signal to you that that animal should be seen because they may be laying those eggs internally, Mm -hmm. and that can lead to a really serious problem later on. But if caught early, they do quite well with surgery, and they can live, actually, to quite a long age. Yeah, they're fun, and they really become part of the family, too. It's amazing. They become just like the family dog. There are some preventative diseases that are kind of occur. They they occur based on how chickens are kept. Chickens will pretty much pick anything off the ground, including little bits of metal. And we do see metal toxicities like lead toxicity in chickens that can make them very sick. Uh, We also see nutritional deficiencies. Again, getting a good quality pelleted diet specific to that chicken's age, whether it's a growing chicken or a laying chicken, um, is very, very important. Yep. So those are really, really things uh, that you want to file away and note if you have chickens in your yard. That metal thing that Dr. Average was describing, we call it hardware disease. If you are going to have chickens on in your backyard, you need to get out there and pick up all the little screws and you know clips and little pieces of wire and anything you might have in your backyards because chickens are not very discriminating. It's shiny, they will eat it, and it can cause problems later on. And uh, again, reproductive problems, major, major problem, and as you mentioned, very, very preventable with the proper diet and sunlight and um, taking precautions. So chickens can be a lot of fun, but there are things that we have to do to keep them healthy so that we can enjoy their eggs and keep them around as part of the family for a long time. Exactly. Somewhat on par with chickens, sometimes people that keep ground birds have a bunch of other different types of ground birds. We have uh, some clients have different types of guinea fowl and, and other colorful birds, including peacocks. We do have quite a few peacock patients. They um, get into a lot of problems when they're housed with other ground birds that they can get diseases from, like parasites and bacteria. Uh, So a big, big thing if you keep peacocks is to keep them with only other peacocks. Absolutely. And there is something to be said for how many males and how many females you keep together, too, because they don't always get along. 
Uh, males tend to fight, and so often you may have a, a whole flock of females with one male, and they'll do a lot better than if you try to get the males to share those females. They will fight, they will attack each other, and one male has been known frequently to kill the other male or drive him away and keep him away from the rest of the flock until he starves or doesn't do well. So you have to think about how much space you have if you're going to have peacocks. They really do need to wander around and forage. They like to pick up worms off the ground, so they really need exposed ground, and when it's cold, they need supplemental feed because they're not able to get to uh, those worms and particularly if you live in parts of the country where it gets really cold, they need shelter and, and shelter from predators as well as we mentioned with the, the chickens. Mm-hmm. Um, they're beautiful to look at but they do get entangled in a lot of things. They get caught in brush. They are chased by predators very frequently and um, they really can't fly so they can jump up on things but they can't fly away so it's really hard for them to protect themselves. You also have to be a little bit careful about your neighbors and what the laws are in your area, peacocks can be very, very loud. Some people really appreciate that and some people really don't, so you have to be careful. Absolutely. So beautiful to look at, sometimes a little bit of a menace, but uh, when handled properly in the right situation, right surroundings with the proper food and the, and the proper social structure, they can be really, really great pets uh, if you have the space. What about ducks and waterfowl? We see quite mm-hmm. a few waterfowl, ducks and geese. Um, you wouldn't think that, you know, it, but it's amazing how many people actually keep ducks and waterfowl and geese as pets. It is surprising. And not only that is the fact that people become very bonded to them. And these animals have personalities. They have individual personalities. They become part of the family. Some people keep them in a house, you know, just as you would a dog or cat. And they have the same relationship with them just as you would a dog or cat. They become very attached. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen some really, really tame geese that actually live inside with their owners, actually wear little diapers so that they can be kept inside because we know waterfowl can be very, very messy. Um, They'll swim in little uh, wading pools, kitty wading pools in the backyard, and they can be very, very responsive. I mean, one thing that that is unique to waterfowl is they really do imprint on people. So if you get them when they're really little, little ducklings, uh, little hatchlings, they will see the first person they see that feeds them becomes mom or dad and they will follow you around like that forever and ever and think that you are absolutely their parent and it's kind of nice because if you have a a solo waterfowl you know they will just bond to you and be your best friend forever they can make really good pets Mm -hmm. but they have some special requirements too i mean you may may want to talk about their feet a little bit they do have webbed feet and they in the wild they spend a lot of time sitting you know in a pond or on water and they have the pressure off their feet Either that or they're on dirt, which is usually a very soft ground. In captivity, sometimes they're kept on cement. Sometimes if they're in the house, they're on hard floors. And they can actually get significant infections and inflammation of the bottom of their foot, which is called bumblefoot. If it's mild, usually it can be dealt with quite easily. Um, if it's severe, it can actually get into their bones and get you know cause infections and arthritis of the joints, which gets really bad. So if you're keeping pet ducks or geese... They do have to be allowed access to swim. It's important also to, for them to be able to dunk their head underwater and clean out their, their nasal passages, but also to get off their feet. And they do need to be on soft, clean, dry bedding. Absolutely. And they really need to be in clean water. There are several diseases, one of which we actually see is botulism, which we think of, you know, we people think of it as something that comes out of a can that's not been processed properly. But botulism actually comes from bacteria that are growing on algae and ponds. And we see it in the summertime when it gets warm. And if they're in stagnant water that's not flowing and that's not clean, they will actually get botulism, which causes them to sort of hang their head. They call it limber neck. And it's something we see every spring 
spring in, in waterfowl that are exposed to standing bodies of water that are not kept clean. So that's, again, another preventable problem. We see a lot of nutritional things with them. People don't realize that they're not chickens and they are not laying eggs usually at the same rate chickens are. So mistakenly, people will feed them chicken food and they'll grow really, really fast, really, really quickly and really big. And this will actually cause problems for them. They can have their wings get really, really heavy because a lot of those geese in particular have very, very big, heavy, downy feathers, all those wonderful feathers that people, you know, make pillows and comforters out of. But those feathers can be very heavy and the wing actually flips over on itself so that the inside part of the wing is now sticking out. It's a deformity that develops as they get bigger quickly and they grow. It's called angel wing. And unless it's dealt with really quickly when they're little, it's something we can't fix. And it can be really debilitating to them because their wings will drag on the ground and get injured. And sometimes we'll actually have to amputate part of them. Again, another preventable problem when people get these pets, they should learn about how to, you know, not to cause. Exactly. Ducks and geese, I think maybe more so than some of the other birds we see, they're also very prone to fungal infections. And they do need to have their areas kept very, very clean, you know, not to be in dusty sheds and things like that. And as I mentioned before, it's very important for them to have water that they can dunk their head under and clean out their nasal passages. It's also important for them behaviorally and mentally, you know, they need water just as part of their lifestyle. And it's great if they're kept as a pet, but make sure you have a bathtub or a kiddie pool or some other outlet where they can swim daily. That's great. Absolutely. And they can make wonderful, wonderful animals. You just, again, like with all these other types of birds, you need to research and you need to see if you actually have the ability and the space to take care of them properly. You know, another bird that we see quite a bit of that I think have been kept as pets for centuries is the pigeon. Mm-hmm. We see quite a few pigeons, don't we? We do actually see a lot of pigeons. We see some that are kept in large flocks for people that have racing pigeons or homing pigeons and have thousands of pigeons. We see some that are kept as a single pet or with one other pigeon um, or as a house pet. And then we actually see some that are brought in as wildlife. Absolutely. And they're beautiful. They can be in all different colors. Um, they get to be very large, very muscular. Look, They look a little different from the common street pigeon. Mm-hmm. Again, they can be collected and bred and just have incredible colors, incredible personalities. They are amazing as homing pigeons. I mean, it's incredible that they can go out there, fly around and, you know, go be out there for weeks and then come right back. I mean, people really have them trained. It's an incredible thing. Um, I think that we see a lot of families that this is a hobby that's passed down through the generations. There are some serious Serious diseases, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, some of them are preventable, some of them are not, that we see that can actually decimate whole populations of pigeons. And so it is really important that if you are a pigeon fancier, that if you're going to collect lots of pigeons, that you isolate the new ones coming in. If you just throw them in with your remaining flock, you are exposing your flock to disease. And there is a, a big bad disease called pigeon circovirus out there, which is one of the immunosuppressive diseases of pigeons that can really wipe out a flock. We unfortunately had a bad case of it this year in some patients we were treating where they were exposed and it really, it suppresses their immune system and makes them susceptible to so many different other diseases, a lot of parasites. So that's something you want to monitor really carefully and and if you're bringing new pigeons in, they really should be tested. Exactly. Very important. And it is important whether you have a single pigeon as a house pet or you have a flock of thousands to have a, a relationship with a veterinarian, especially, you know, if you have a house pet and you're thinking about longevity and quality 
quality of life, having regular checkups and, you know, good preventative medicine. And the same thing goes for a flock of pigeons. Obviously, you want your flock to be as healthy as possible. You know, as Dr. Hess just said, a single disease can wipe out your entire flock. So making sure you also have good preventative measurements in place and that they're housed appropriately and fed appropriately. Yeah, and that is really important, particularly, I think, with pigeons, because there, while there are some really great websites and great resources out there, and, and there's actually quite a bit of medication that's available for pigeons over the counter, there are some times when you just need a veterinarian who has some experience or access to drugs that the layperson doesn't have. So we do recommend that all pigeon owners have a relationship with a vet who is really familiar with pigeons and knows you know, what to treat with them with when and, and you know, when it's appropriate, when it's not. Well, we have more birds we want to get to, but at this point, we're going to take a little break. So we will continue with our really cool topic in just a few minutes after these messages from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Stay perched. We'll be soaring back right after these messages. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available in iTunes. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. I am Dr. Lori Hess here with Dr. Michelle Ravitch. And our topic today is really cool birds that are not parrots, birds of a different feather. And we had talked a little bit about chickens and peacocks pigeons and some of the waterfowl, I think we wanted to mention another couple types of birds that we see that are not the typical parrots that we usually talk about. What about passerines? Well, the term passerine actually means perching bird or songbird, and it, it encompasses quite a wide variety of birds. A lot of the birds in your backyard, like sparrows and things like that, would be considered passerines. And two of the most common groups of passerines that people keep as pets are canaries and finches. Canaries are kept very commonly, and I think most people would think of a you know a little yellow bird with short feathers. But there's actually also quite a wide variety of canaries in different shapes and sizes and different feathers, and some that look like they have you know long hair and 
and they have different singing capabilities. So it's actually very interesting once you start to research it. Yeah, and again, we've said this before during the segment, but they can be really addictive. I mean, I have a, a couple of canaries at home, and their singing is just unreal. It, it sounds not like it's possibly coming from something that's living. It sounds almost automated. It's beautiful. And they do come in different colors. Not of them are, all of them are yellow. They come in orange and red and brown, different variations. And you get a group of canaries together, and when they get active for breeding in the spring, they will the males will compete with each other and outsing each other, and they're incredible. And just like the canaries, there are finches. Finches come in so many different varieties. Again, just beautiful, beautiful animals in so many different colors, different patterns. Not all finches should be mixed. It's an important point because different types of finches can carry different types of diseases and different personalities that shouldn't be mixed with other ones. So you got to be careful if you're going to collect finches that you learn about which uh, breed should be with which other types of breeds and who should not be mixed. But again, um, they can be fairly low-maintenance pets that provide just incredible stimulation, beautiful to watch and beautiful to listen to. Exactly. We're going to sound a little bit like a broken record here, but again, diet is extremely important for these guys. Seed that you can get you know, anywhere is usually not good enough for them. Even if it has a picture of a canary or a finch on the bag, it's usually not enough. They do um, benefit from having some vegetables in their diet. They benefit definitely from having a pelleted diet that's very important for them to get all of their nutrients. They usually need a calcium supplement, especially if they're females. And especially if they're females, they also need access to um, a specialized light, an ultraviolet light, so they can process that calcium. But other than that, once you have the setup, they're generally very, very easy to keep. And I definitely think that there are some really great canary breeders out there that will maintain their birds on some seed as they oh, have yes. been kept traditionally, but it is really important to provide balance. So the pellet diets do complement the seed and you can't just, if you just offer the seed, they're not going to pick the pellets. So it's, sometimes it's important to rotate the food. They do graze all day long. I know mine love some produce and they would eat produce all day long. They love that broccoli, but you got to limit that too, because if they fill up on the produce, they're not going to get the benefits of the seeds. And even for breeding and that beautiful singing, they need to get a certain amount of fat in their diet to produce the hormones that they need for breeding and that's what drives their singing and keeps them healthy. Diet can be very, very important and it's not just throwing a bag of canary seed down as has unfortunately typically been done through the years. And the same goes for finches. And, you know, they have their own set of specialized diseases. They're not the same as parrots. Um, They shouldn't be mixed with parrots and we really don't mix canaries and finches together. So if you're a big fan of of the songbirds, you want to keep them separate. I think um, another common misconception is that if they're sick, there isn't much that can be done for them. And we actually do quite a lot for canaries and finches. We can test for certain diseases. We can take x-rays. We can give them medications um, and other supportive care. So again, if they are looking a little off, usually it means something is brewing and that's the time to bring them in. Don't wait until they've been sitting on the bottom of the cage for a few days because usually by that point, they're very, very sick. Believe it or not, there are actually vaccines for certain diseases in them as well. They get a a disease called pox, which really looks like little growths that can form on them. And it's pretty unsightly and a little scary if you end up with having that in your flock or in your your pets. Caught early enough, we can actually treat that. We can prevent it with vaccines. So there are quite a few things that we can do medically for these types of birds and all the birds that we're mentioning today. And I think, unfortunately, the people that have these birds that are just a little different often don't think that there is a place medically that can take care of them. 
the weather, you know, and they end up waiting and waiting and waiting and trying all kinds of home remedies and going online. And while there's some useful information online and, and certain home remedies can help, there is really good quality solid medicine that we can practice these days to help these animals live longer, feel better, and just have a better relationship with their owners and with each other. So there's one more group of animals that we wanted to talk about today that we don't typically think of as pets. And those are the raptors. You want to explain, Dr. Ravitch, what a raptor is? A raptor is any bird that catches prey with its feet. So you can think of falcons, hawks, owls, and eagles are, you know, the big four groups of raptors. You typically need a special license to, or falconry uh, license to keep raptors, unless you are a wildlife rehabilitator. Sometimes you can keep them in that sense too. But usually you can't just have them as a pet, as a general person. You do need to go through special routes and to have special licenses. And that's important because they do need very specialized care and they can be a little dangerous with their feet if you don't, you know, if you aren't familiar with them. But for people that are falconers and do keep these animals, they're quite beautiful and they're quite amazing to work with. They are. And their falconers, the people that keep them, just know so much about them. They really study them. Um, they know the temperaments of these birds. They do require some specialized care. I mean, remember, most falcons and raptors in general eat either rodents that they're catching. Remember, they're swooping down over the fields and grabbing those rodents with their feet. That's how they feed. Unlike parrots that use their beak, they're really, really using their feet. Or some of the larger raptors will get birds and chickens, some larger rodents. So if you're going to be a falconer and you're going to study this and you really need to learn about it a lot before you actually own the pets and keep them, because they're sort of somewhere between a wild animal and a pet, because they really do need to fly outside. You need to learn about them and you need to be okay feeding them what they need to eat, whether it's a rodent or a chicken or a chick. That's their normal diet and they need that to be healthy. Yep. And we do see a lot of raptors that are brought in uh, as injured wildlife. You know, people find them injured outside. A lot of times they get tangled in, in cables or they get hit by cars, unfortunately. Sometimes you have to be careful about feeding or about putting out rodent poisoning because the raptors will come down and eat those rodents and then the raptors will become affected too. And a lot of the raptors are actually endangered. Their numbers are dwindling. So being careful about how we handle, I guess, rodent infestations is important. But if you were to see an injured raptor, you definitely want to call a wildlife rehabilitation first. A lot of times if you call your local vet, they can um, give you a number for a wildlife rehabilitator. It can be a little tricky to catch them. And if you attempt to do it by yourself, you have to be very, very careful of their talons because they can, they can injure you if they grab you. They absolutely can. I can attest to that. I've been, I had a talon go through the palm of my hand at one time. It was very painful and it was an animal that was hit by a car and we were not quite as attentive and alert to the fact that this animal was still pretty sharp as was, were his talons. But you did, the big thing is if you do see an injured falcon or, or any raptor, you don't want to keep that animal as a pet. I mean, they're wild birds and they really don't belong as pets. It's illegal to do that, particularly if you see them and they're banded. Uh, the peregrine falcons are a protected species and you know they're banded in the nest by people that really know what they're doing um, and they're, some of them have radio transmitters and they're tracked and they are protected by federal and state laws. Mm -hmm. So we, our job as veterinarians is to make sure that the falcons that are kept in captivity are kept well and kept healthy and those that are actually meant to be wild are let back out into the wild and rehabilitated if they're injured. They're amazing birds to work with but not your typical pet. Yes, exactly. So I hope that we've enlightened you guys today a little bit about the kinds of birds we see. That's what makes our job fun. We love parrots, but we also like to see a little variety. We're out of time now, and we want to thank you very, very much for listening. And we hope you'll tune in again to Bird's Eye View. This is Dr. Lori Hess and Dr. Michelle Ravitch. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>